hope to inspire people to try to follow this path because I love this country, because I love the law, because I think it is important that we all invest in our future. And the young people are the future. Hey, podcast family, welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. My name is Kanji. I'm Tara. And we're going to speak this week about the power of perseverance. This is a word that came to us and this topic when, if you're listening in real time, this week was the confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. Yes. um, Who is the first Black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court of the United States and is a part of the judicial nomination process. Her confirmation hearings were conducted this past week, if you're listening to this episode in real time. Tara, I'm curious if you had an opportunity to check out any of the confirmation hearings and if you would just share your thoughts with us. Yes, I didn't watch them in real time because, I mean, obviously I was at work, but I also know just from past experiences, sometimes those confirmation hearings get way off base and I didn't want to get too squirrely and messed up in that tangle. But I would check in each night and just kind of go through the highlights and see what was discussed and how she handled it. And I really enjoyed watching her, you know, handle those questions and conversations with so much grace. I love the pictures of her daughters there. I mean, I just... While it's been a tough few days, I know it was it was a tough situation and hard to get through. I thought that um, I thought she did really well. In your mind, what made it so hard to get through? Well, obviously, the nomination of Supreme Court justices has become very politicized, especially the last few rounds as it's been like a back and forth of a Republican nominee versus a Democratic nominee. And everybody's got ideas about what it means. And the last few times I've seen a justice get nominated, which has been more than more than our fair share the last few years, which is interesting. Um, it just always gets out of hand. It turns into more than just a, are you qualified for the job? And it gets way nastier and messier. And sometimes it's even, they try to humiliate it, but I just hate that part of it. I just wish it wasn't a political show and it was an actual interview for a job that they're trying to do. You had mentioned, Tara, that there were some highlights uh, during the confirmation (laughs) hearings. And I just said, I think there were too many lowlights. Yes. You know, there was an article that came out that mentioned that for Black women, there should have been a trigger warning that came along with watching some of those (laughs) confirmation hearings. And I didn't watch them in real time. A part of me didn't watch them in real time because I was working, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. But I was also very aware of some of the questions that she was going to get. And knowing that she was going to handle them with grace and aplomb and super qualified for this role, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. So many people assume that when there is a, a woman or a woman of color or someone from a different or diverse background, that they are not qualified and they are just, quote unquote, checking a box or a token hire because they're a diverse person, right? Right, right. What tends to happen is that diverse candidate is more qualified than any other person out there. And I saw um, the side-by-side list of Judge Jackson's qualifications as opposed to the other current sitting members of the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, that she went to an Ivy League college. She went to a public high school. She clerked for the Supreme Court. She is a U.S. District Court judge. She served on a bench longer than most of them. Ten years. Ten years. (laughs) That's right. And she checked all the boxes and 
she's a woman and a working mother. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things you look and you say, this person is not just qualified. This person is super qualified. Mm -hmm. So why are we thinking less of her Mm -hmm. and her ability to belong? And so often, so many women, so many working mothers, Mm -hmm. we get in a situation where we don't feel like we belong. Right. Especially in the workforce. Has that been your experience at all as an executive, as a female executive, and as an executive who's a mom? Yes. I find myself, I don't know what the word is. I guess hide is kind of the word. I find myself like trying to hide the mom part of me, not wanting to like let on that, oh, the reason I have to leave at 430 today is because I have to do something for my kid. Or I I feel like I have to be different or keep that part of me kind of under the table. Let's not talk about that. And we've talked about this before too, where like when Gage has been ill or uh, like example, when Gage had COVID last year and not, you know, I stayed home, part of it was quarantine, but then, you know, a few days of it was just trying to get him before he could go back to school, you know, realizing that a lot of the other management team in my work didn't have to do that because they have a wife at home that stays home with the kids. So it makes me different. And I have a partner who works. It's, I mean, it would maybe it'd be different if my partner didn't work. My partner works too. We both work. So it's different, you know? Yes. And we both work. And one of the things that we mentioned in last week's episode with Erica Suter is that sometimes the woman, the mother, um, the female parent is the default, the default parent. That's right. You know, and so that just adds a little bit more. Oh, let's keep it real. A lot more to our, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. our plate. And when we were looking and I said, not only did Judge Jackson have this amazing legal career, by all appearances, she has a supportive spouse. He is a, a surgeon in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. At, at Georgetown's Medical Center, and she's raising two daughters. I loved when she was sharing her opening remarks with Congress. And, you know, she apologized to her daughters by saying she she didn't get it right all of the time. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, Girl, I was done. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt as though those were words I could have written myself. And that's kind of how I feel when I think about my experience as a working mom. I hope that what I've done and what I do resonates deeply with my son because I hope he just realizes when he looks back that I did the best I could. Right. And I was trying to do all the things all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. I I appreciated that she started her comments, you know, talking about her family and how much they mean to her and how they're just as important to her success. I don't know that we often get to see that kind of vulnerability on display. And I really, I felt the same way you did. I mean, I, I, when you said we were going to talk about this today, I was like, I hope I can get through this conversation without crying because I really did have moments like that with, I mean, I cry all the time, but you know what I'm saying? You I cry had, all the time. I had moments like that watching her this week, especially during her opening and closing comments. We haven't had a chance to talk much this week because I've had a really busy week. You've had a really busy week, but there were several moments this week that I thought about you specifically as a woman of color that has come from the law field and and had probably very similar experiences to her talking about when she was in law school and how difficult it was kind of finding her place. And then, you know, the working mother. I mean, I just I could relate to her on a lot of levels, but I felt that you could really sit in her seat. 
my mother and grandmother wish I were sitting in her seat. <laughs> I would vote for you all day. Girl, <laughs> too, too many skeletons in my closet. Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz would have a field day if he could do a background check on me. Oh, you know what, though? Just to see him get riled up, I might, I might just, to, just to really knock him off center, I might be willing to, to watch it happen. <laughs> and we all know that I'm not someone who is able to control her inside face. This is true, which my- would make it so much fun. For the watching, I would watch that one. It would be a meme every day. (laughs) Folks would just realize they look at my face and say, Oh, we know what Judge Kanji Irby is thinking. (laughs) That's right. You know, but but the purpose of listening to and seeing a woman of color ascend to the highest court of the land after all these years kind of just puts in in context kind of like what her presence means, not just for her daughters not just for me as a as a black female and as an attorney but also you know for the generations mm-hmm. that are coming behind mm-hmm. it's the similar situation as we talked about with vice president harris mm. you know when we start to have women come into places that have been traditionally male yes when we start to have women of color come into places that have been traditionally occupied by whites yes it makes it so that the world that we live in is opening up for all of the people that actually live here yes And question whether it was and how it is for those people that are the firsts, right? The story that Judge Jackson told during her confirmation hearings and was just the topic of of our conversation today was about perseverance. For so many of us, for so many working parents or so many parents, it's hard to keep going. I always say that being a parent isn't a job because if, with a job, you could quit it. I'm going to take vacations from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a child, it's like, no, you can't quit no matter how hard it gets. Right. And Judge Jackson told a story about something that happened to her when she was an undergrad student at Harvard. And she spoke about the power of perseverance. She mentioned that when she was an undergrad student, you know, she was a student who had come from a public school and several of her classmates had come from private schools or had been legacy students, meaning that there were other people in their families who had also gone to Ivy League schools. And she had not. And during this time when she was in a unique and unfamiliar environment, she started to question herself and her credentials and whether or not she belonged. And she shared during the confirmation hearing a story of when she was walking across, I think it was Harvard Yard, that she passed a Black woman who looked at her and said one word. I think the first semester I was really homesick. I was really questioning, um, do I belong here? Can I, can I make it in this environment? And I was walking through the yard in the evening and a black woman I did not know was passing me on the sidewalk and she looked at me and I guess she knew how I was feeling and she leaned over as we crossed and said persevere and Tara when you and I were talking about this we were speaking about kind of how in our lives Mm -hmm. perseverance has been kind of our theme right isn't that true that is very true and so I was questioning and I said well let me ask Tara if she can talk about a time when 
she has had to persevere. So here we are finally together in a room, <laughs> in the room where it happens. Thank now, you. Having the conversation actually recorded this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is better that some of our conversations aren't recorded. 100%. So much better. <laughs> Again, this is why I'm never going to be able to get any sort of job. You're not going to be in front of the Senate. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Right. I'm not going to be in front of Senate, and Congress, <laughs> in front of anyone. Right. Um, so share with us and share with our podcast family, like a story about how you have persevered to get to where you are at this stage in your life, your motherhood journey, and your career. So you cued me up and I was thinking about, oh, God, I just need one story. I just need one story. And, and I'll just say, and we don't have to get super deep in this, but we know enough about each other at this point that honestly, my whole life feels like a study in perseverance. And I'll preface it by saying that a couple of days ago was my 21st anniversary of my sobriety. And so I think I always get a little reflective this time of year. And I always take a step back and think about what my life was like when I was a kid, what my life was like in my early 20s before I got sober, some of the things that I went through. And without getting into crazy details, I can just say for a fact that the fact that I'm alive is an example of what that perseverance has been like. And some days, especially when things are kind of tough or I'm struggling, some days just getting out of bed and like going to work the next day. That feels like a study in perseverance. And when she told that story, I mean, I felt that story. I was like, yes, like I I can relate to feeling like that very often, even today, even when on paper, it looks like everything's working out for me. It still feels like I'm always trying to find my place, always trying to find where I fit, always trying to, you know, always trying to like feel settled in it. And so, I mean, I don't have just one story. It feels like every day sometimes it's just an act of perseverance for me. The story of Tara is the story of perseverance. <laughs> sometimes it feels like that. And I wasn't sure if I was going to go that hard at it, but I just couldn't. I was like, no other little story really feels as relevant, especially, I think, because of my sobriety anniversary. It always kind of comes up for me. Yeah. Happy sober anniversary. Thank you. I can't believe that I let this um, episode of the podcast start and continue this far along without um, just saying how humbled I am by your strength each and every day. So when I saw that you were celebrating your 21st um, sober anniversary and you were going to get your chips, I said, girl, I got your Doritos for you. <laughs> we started that tradition last year. Yes. I get my Doritos chips from Kanji, which I love. Um, so we've talked about me. Are we going to pause? We are going to pause because I owe you an apology. Why? So I bought your Doritos chips. And then you ate them Of all. course I ate them all. <laughs> I didn't even have to wait for them. Sorry. It's okay. I bet you've got one chip in there. I, I don't can. have any. <laughs> I ate them all. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. It's the thought that counts. And I was supposed to get over here a couple days ago. So that's my fault. I shouldn't have left Doritos at your house unattended. You know what happens. That's my bad. Of course. That's my bad. Okay. So we got that squared away. So do you have a story that you would put forth for perseverance? Absolutely. Um, and, and like you, I think a lot about where I am in this life. And sometimes, you know, we're our own harshest critics. I look and I'm, I say things that I haven't accomplished, but when I look back at kind of where I've started from and my story and my truth and knowing who has walked in my footsteps each and every day of the 40 something years I've been alive, 
sometimes it's like, wow, how many people have gone through what you've gone through, Kanji, to mm. be where you are? Yeah. And at this point, make it look like it was easy. Right. You know? Yes. And sometimes when I share parts of my history and my story um, about my upbringing or, or things that I've gone through or been through, people are in shock. You know, they're like, really? I would have assumed that, you know, because you went to these schools, you had a kind of an easier life or an easier path. Um, but I think that one of the reasons uh, that I have been able to kind of keep going when the deck was stacked against me or to keep going when I didn't even want to keep going myself is because I was able to develop that resilient muscle mm-hmm. at a very early age. And one story that I will tell about the power of perseverance, it kind of is a very good summary of how I've lived my life, is a date that happened in October of 2006. Okay. So we all know in podcast family, if you've listened to the first couple of seasons of the show, you know that there is one person in this room, one of the co-hosts is a runner, and that person is not me. (laughs) So Tara is our resident runner and our resident marathoner, half marathoner, Mm -hmm. distance runner. But back in 2006, I decided to try my hand at it before you and I were even in each other's lives. um, I was living in New York working as an attorney, and I decided that I was going to buy this Hal Higdon book, How to Become a Marathon Runner. Everybody buys that one, yes. Yes, yes. And it laid out a plan on mm-hmm. how to be a marathoner, um, how many miles you need to run each day, each week, and kind of building up to this. And the race I chose to run was the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. in 2006. And one of the reasons I chose that marathon was because it was going to run through the streets of Washington, D.C., when, girl, like 20 years before, I had run through the streets <laughs> of Washington. It was a reclaiming of the streets of Washington, D.C. During the day. Got it. Right. Got because it. when I was in college right. there at Georgetown, I had run the streets of right. Washington, D.C. So I had trained. I was doing my thing, all of this stuff. And I wasn't really feeling 100%. Mm. Um, but I decided that on the day of race day, I was going to lace up my sneakers and do it and go forward. And so I had my headphones on and I started running and didn't know what it was going to be like. And I kept going. And around mile 18, started to break down. My body started hurting. Mm -hmm. I was like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And reflected on times in my life where I had given up, Mm -hmm. when I had set a goal for myself and either stopped it or I had set a goal and said, it's getting too hard. I'm just going to quit. And in that moment, on that day, I said, Kanji, no matter what, you're going to finish. Yeah. You're just going to finish this race. And um, I hobbled across the finish line. It took me, I think, like three and a half hours to run the first 18 miles. Uh-huh. And it took me like two hours to oh, run yeah. the last seven, right? That feels it, right. <laughs> I was just walking and <laughs> slugging along. And when I crossed that finish line, my cousin Janae was there. I had never been more proud of myself, you know, and I didn't finish in the time I expected. I didn't finish the way I expected. People are like coming across the finish line with hands raised and all of this energy. And I was just exhausted. Yeah. But that moment in that day showed me that perseverance, the ability to keep kind of going and pushing through and to break down those barriers when the barriers you have, maybe the ones in your own mind Mm -hmm. and also in your own body, creates an ability and and it it starts to build that muscle. And that's something that as a mother, I hope to impart and pass along to my son, you know, 
So that's kind of my story. It's how I persevered. And fun fact, I have not run a mile in the 16 years since, <laughs> since that happened. You know, it's interesting you picked that story because when I was thinking about it and I was just going to pick a story, that would have been my choice too, because there is something about running a marathon in those last six miles, man, that I think gets everybody. It's a pretty good exercise and perseverance for everybody that does it. And there's a reason that they call a marathon a once in a lifetime event because you should only do it once. <laughs> I've done it more than once, but only a few times. I've done more halves than I have fulls, but I love that story. I remember when you told me about that. And I would also say back to that, that you bring that same spirit to when you were coaching me in cycles, when we were, you were my studio cycling coach and you would get us through those last 20, 30 minutes that were really hard and you would just be talking us through it. Like, I know your body's telling you no and your mind's telling you no, but you could do it. And I just, that was, I think, one of the things that I really connected with you about is that we both kind of share that same spirit of, we know that there's difficult moments and hurdles, but I know I can, I know I can finish. You know what I mean? And I've, I've always felt that with you, that connection with you. And that mentality. Yeah. And that ability to say, I'm going to keep going mm-hmm. is something that I hope my son takes from me, yeah. right? He is like me in so many ways, stubborn, hardheaded. <laughs> but the one thing that I really hope that he does take from me is the ability to persevere because I know, and we all know that the world is going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. It's going to be challenging to be hard on him because he's a black man in America, black young man. He's now a teenager. Um, so it's going to be difficult. And I just need him to be secure in himself and in his faith and in his spirit and in his body mm-hmm. to keep going. Yeah. It's a hard, I feel the same way. And Gage and I just had a conversation about it recently because I see him wanting to do things, wanting to try things and then hitting resistance and waffling a little bit. And I'm having to, you know, talk him through because now we're getting to these teen years where the stakes are a little higher than when they were little. And you're like, oh, you don't want to play bassoon anymore. Okay. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, no, we need to see this through. Like, why don't you really see how you feel about it? It's, it's hard to coach. Yeah. And I think that that might be a a fuller conversation for a different day because it's a similar struggle that I have parenting Roman. It's when things get difficult for him now, he just opts out. Mm -hmm. And so how do you convince, cajole or create a situation where your kid keeps going? Yes. It stretches that muscle Mm -hmm. and builds that muscle. I think we get into this. This is a whole separate conversation. So let's let's pause that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And again, so we look at what this week has meant to so many people and wondering like what will history remember from this week and from this moment? We are still such a young country, the United States of America, but to be on the cusp of having a Black woman, Mm -hmm. because we already have Justice Sotomayor on the Supreme Court, a Latina, but to have a Black woman ascend to the highest court in the land after, you know, the hundreds of years of Black women being enslaved and being the mules of the earth and not even being considered a full person until, you know, within the last 150 years when Black people were were given personhood mm-hmm. by the Constitution and in the last 50 years being able to vote, like what this moment means and this moment matters. And can we make this moment into a movement? Mm. Um, the fact that this is happening during Women's History Month should not be lost on any of us. Mm. 
Um, And so that is something that I hope we are able to remember. And I hope that history um, remembers this moment well. Mm-hmm. And I hope that history remembers the highlights and the lowlights, right? <laughs> yes, I hope we remember the lowlights during voting season. <laughs> Everybody remember those names, guys, remember? And then, uh, yeah, I. it's been a pretty incredible few years with a battle on both sides. You know, we've got a, a woman of color as vice president. We're going to have a woman of color. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, we've made some strides. Yes. We have a ways to go. Yes. But I'm glad that we weren't where we were. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So the moment that Judge Jackson shared with us about a woman who was a stranger speaking into her something mm-hmm. that stayed with her for her entire adulthood and her career, persevere. It was a special moment. And so um, I'm wondering, and as we prepare to wrap up this week's episode, Tara, if you could um, offer one word of wisdom to a woman, a young woman, either a young mother or a young working woman, what would that one word be? Oh, my God. And you can't use persevere because I know you. I was totally, I mean, I'll pull up at the source for persevere right now. I, there's just not a better word. I, I um, And I I can't do a sentence, huh? Can't use, you can't use a sentence and you can't use a hip hop lyric. Oh, man. You out. I know. God, I mean, you're just tying me down. Let me think for a second. Don't think too long. Your producer's going to be <laughs> mad at you. I know, right? He's he's going to be having to edit out the empty spots. I think I would say I've got two words in my mind, and they both kind of are similar. Steadfast or hold. Like, I just, for me, outside of also the forward movement, I think sometimes it's important to just hold to your your space. Just stay steadfast mm. and and don't let them... Don't let the wind knock you around, you know, hold your spot. Because the wind and Senator Cruz will try to knock you around. Cannot talk about that. (laughs) That's like a whole other podcast. And we talked about him twice today. Okay, we need it. He's like he who shall not be named. How about that? (laughs) Agree. Agree. You and I definitely agree on that one. So now you have to do it. Mine would be. And I don't think this is one word. It may be a hyphenated word. Don't you cheat. It wouldn't let me cheat. Well, I'm going to say it's a hyphenated word because it's kind of a two word phrase. Let's see. It would be show up. That's two words. It's going to be a one word phrase now. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, with a hyphen. (laughs) No, there's no. (laughs) I I can't believe you would let me cheat. If Shakespeare could invent words (laughs) and phrases, so can I. You know what? I'll allow it. Okay. You have a a law degree, so I'll allow it. (laughs) The the reason I would just say that is in so many parts and areas of our lives, Showing up is the hardest part. Mm. You know, we um, are afraid of what's going to happen. And so a lot of us don't even play the game. We don't even put our cards on the table or run the race. Right. We just don't show up. We we quit before the game even starts. So what I would just say is, you know, motherhood is going to be challenging. Um, Work is going to be challenging. Having relationships and friendships will be challenging. But show up. And when you show up, give 100% of yourself in everything that you do. All right. I'll accept that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you did. (laughs) I knew it. I was like, she's going to say two words. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so predictable. (laughs) That's all right. Predictable. And I persevere through everything. And podcast family, we um, are going to wrap up this week's episode with the hope that while you are 
going about your day and your life and this motherhood journey, if you are on one, that you persevere, that you continue to look ahead, that you hold steadfast to everything that you are doing and in your life, show up. And if I may say so, while you're at it, show off because you deserve it. You've been amazing podcast family. With that being said, we are going to wrap up this week's episode. Tune in next week for another fantastic episode with Tara and me. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And we thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. Take good care, podcast family. You don't have to be a a perfect mom, but... If you do your best and you love your children, things will turn out okay. I would tell them to persevere.